And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Welcome. I'm Tom Laurie, and I will be your host today. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to discuss a topic that is a key skill needed for success in life and career. It is bargaining or in more formal settings, negotiating. We need this skill at home with friends and at work. Our mentor today is Fred Yant, who is well known for his work with dispute resolution, mediation, and trains mediators for the California court system. He is an active mediator himself and has authored over 30 books, including the best-selling Win-Win Negotiating, Turning Conflict into Agreement, which was published in 1985 and still remains the standard today. He has been a professor at State University of New York, California State University, and Victoria University in New Zealand. He also served as Dean of the California State University at Palm Desert for many years leading up to his retirement. He is an active author. He's writing another book. He's a speaker, negotiator, and mediator. Welcome to the Mentors, Fred. We're glad to have you. Finally get into the subject of negotiating, which, as you know, is on my bucket list. So I'm (laughs) delighted to have such a renowned expert join me today. Thank you. So let's uh, get started. Uh, Maybe the best place is how did you get started in negotiating? Hmm. Actually, many years ago, I was meet many people who worked at Cornell University in the School of Industrial Labor Relations. And I worked with those professionals at the, the School of ILR, and that really introduced me to negotiation and mediation. And did you, so you learned, you saw it as an opportunity, but then did you have mentors along the way? I mean, you, you just don't all of a sudden become a great negotiator. Yeah was privileged to to work with several professional mediators in the FMCS, Federal Mediation Conciliation Service. You might say, well, why does working with and observing mediators help you negotiate? Well, that's what mediation is about. And you learn negotiation by working with mediators. So I guess one of the lessons that uh, you could share with everybody is find a boss that's a good negotiator and hang around. And observe. And observe. And I'm curious, how did you get the assignment in New Zealand? That sounds like something that would be just a dream come true for me. It was. It's a wonderful, wonderful place. A colleague of mine actually went there to start a program in uh, communication, international communication me to join him for a while and I was able to work with him Howard Frederick was able to work with him and his colleagues at Victoria University wonderful place to be and uh, getting into the subject what have you seen observed you've been observing a lot of things over many years as the most common roots of conflict roots of conflict 
Well, let's begin with why people are in conflict. Let's begin with that. And, you know, there is a common assumption that all conflicts are bad and conflict should be avoided. And that is a real misunderstanding of what conflict is. Because conflict is just the other side of cooperation. What that really means is conflict comes as a product of a relationship. We don't get into conflicts typically whom we're not in a relationship with. And one of the earliest uh, conflict pointed out that the most intense conflict comes from the most important relationships that we have. So we're in more intense conflict in our closest relationships. But conflicts always come in relationships because they're part of the positive and the negative that defines the relationship. Yeah, I, I think in my experience, a conflict can be good. I mean, you hear different points of view. People may disagree, uh, but that's a good thing rather than suppressing uh, dissenting points of view. At least it's been my experience. Actually, I tell people that one marker of how, pe- how much people think and respect you is how much they are willing to engage you in conflict. And you talk a little bit in the book about small conflicts becoming big conflicts. And I guess it goes small conflicts become big conflicts and big conflicts can lead to the courts, uh, something like that, but they just get bigger. Could you talk a little bit about that continuum? Right, we, we tend to call these escalated conflicts and that's when conflicts grow. What tends to happen when conflicts grow is they become simplified in terms of the issue. So rather than, than having a lot of things to talk about, when conflict issues grow, people tend to focus in on a limited number of issues and begin to take opposite sides of those issues. And that is the very nature of escalated conflict. Extreme on a limited number of issues. Ironically, you know, when we deal in situations of escalated conflict, we actually try to create more issues. So people have more things to talk about. More things to talk about, some agreements begin to build, and then we can build to more agreements. So that the marker of the escalated conflict narrowing down of the issues to a very limited number and then taking bipolar sides on those issues. Well, we're going to go to break and we'll be right back with Fred Yacht, the author of over 30 books, including Win-Win Negotiation, Turning Conflict into Agreement. And he's also written a best-selling book called The Customer is Usually Wrong. We don't have time to talk about that, but that fascinates me. Remember, you can now listen to our Saturday broadcast, not only on Salem Radio in Northern California, but live anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio or TuneIn Radio. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus like it did for me. 
The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. Feelgreat.vip to learn more. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com. And mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is your host, Tom Laurie, and I'm with Fred E. Yant, who is serving as our guide today on how to bargain and negotiate successfully. Fred is well known for his books on dispute resolution and mediation and the, for the work he does training mediators in the California court system. Remember, you can also listen to this show or any previous show via podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, Google, and more. On any device, anytime, subscribe at TheMentorsRadio.com. So when we uh, finished the last segment, we we're talking about small conflicts becoming big conflicts. And one of the examples that as I was working on the uh, uh, questions for you, Back in the day, I ran a company and we were involved in plastic surgery. And because we were involved in plastic surgery, uh, if a doctor made a mistake, you probably know this, they sued the doctor, the hospital and the company that's involved with the product. Everybody got involved. And I was curious as to what was going on because uh, it was costing us a lot of money with the plastic surgery as a high conflict litigated area. And what I found out very quickly is that if a patient had a uh, complaint, uh, a lot of the doctors would uh, put their head in the ground and not respond. And the more the doctors put their head in the ground, the worse things got, and that led to litigation. So we put together a program that would encourage the doctor to respond to the patient. I That gets to the issue about observing and listening and not putting your head into the ground, right? I, I think that's a big part of it. There is, of course, a real tendency to pretend it will go away. Of course, that's going to not happen. You know, think of the NFL dispute with players over concussions. And for years, the NFL basically did not respond to those lawsuits, tried to deal with them individually. It ended up being a massive, massive settlement. But pretending it didn't go away, just made it grow and it made it grow bigger. Yeah. And I have you brought up something uh, near and dear to me. I have a neighbor that uh, suffered from that and lost his life a year ago. 
Mm-hmm. And I learned that those, uh, what is it called? CTE, I think it is CTE is the disease. Players that get CTE have an average life of 50 years. I mean, it's it's not some kind of, uh, it's not abstract or uh, vague. It's pretty specific in terms of quantification. So uh, how do you, you've been in, in negotiation, you've seen, how do you measure the success of a negotiation? Well, let's go back to the definition of, of negotiation. Real simple definition of negotiation is to be able to reach your goal uh, that in some way on the other person. So the simple definition would be that negotiation is successful if you were able to reach your goal. The real question for people to consider is should we measure negotiation just by the attainment of the goal by how that affected the relationship? So, for example, you might overpower party, destroy the relationship, and pay for it in later years. Or you might also reach your goal, strengthen the relationship, and now have a strong working relationship pay off for you for many years. So it's not just the tangible outcome. It's how that outcome was affected by the process as affected the relationship because negotiation really is about the relationship not just the outcome now when we were talking last week you made a note that negotiation has become uh secondary that other thing so you've seen this arc of negotiation or lack of negotiation in our society could you talk a little bit about what you're observing there i've talked to many people who are involved in professional negotiation, business owners, not as negotiate, professional negotiators. And I, I asked them about their negotiation, and so many are saying that really it's all about power negotiation, that what we want to do is win. We're going to use that first to use power only if that's not going to work. Are we going to use negotiation? there seem to be a, a, a growing awareness of people let's use power negotiation let's use power to try to get what we want to reach our goal and if that's not going to work then let's talk about negotiation i'm really sorry to see that because that really represents a misunderstanding of what you can accomplish with negotiation i talked about it earlier it's just not about the outcome outcome affects the relationship. So to, to say we're going to win by force and power, I think you're missing out a lot of the value you create by strengthening the relationship. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. Today I'm with former Dean of Cal State University of Palm Springs. We're talking about turning conflict into agreement. So I have the question much later in the show, but I'm going to ask it now because it fits exactly with what you're talking about. And I'm sure people in the audience are asking the same question. How do you deal with somebody that wants to negotiate with power? I, well, one of the one way, and this may sound overly simple, is 
to refuse to negotiate. Because to refuse to negotiate balances that power because that now creates a situation where the person has got to change their behavior. So one way is to refuse to negotiate. Another is to say, okay, decide how we're going to negotiate and make that the first item of negotiation. How do you, how are we gonna deal with this problem? As to go into negotiation by the rules of the other party puts you at a disadvantage. So let's talk about how we're gonna solve this problem and recognize that you know, the interest, uh, you know, the topic of deception in negotiation, if you'd like to talk about that for a minute, is that all right? Sure. Uh, there's been a lot of research about deception, lying in negotiation. Now the the folks, the, the, the ethics people are saying, well, it's okay to lie and deceive in negotiation if both parties understand that's going to happen. So that sort of goes along with this, that maybe what we need to do is first of all decide how we're going to negotiate and understand what that really means is understand how the other person is playing the rule. Okay. So does that mean I, when I sit down and negotiate with you, I start out and say, okay, it's okay to deceive each other. Well, and say it, it anything goes. <laughs> and, and uh, there's a, I don't know if you remember uh, a British show, maybe, oh gosh, maybe about 15, 20 years ago called golden balls ever heard of it no. but it was a, a simple show where uh had metal golden balls and in these balls they could put two words either split and then their choices were revealed but split they would split the prize money which is a conceivable amount of money at this, at this stage of the game one put split and the other put steal then the one who put steel would win everything. And it was really interesting what made this show so popular was people would promise faithfully that they would put split. And then when the balls were revealed, they put. And it was so interesting to see how easy it is for people to deceive. Hmm. And Sometimes, you know, I encourage people, particularly going into mediation, into litigation, let's just operate from the assumption that there is deceit. Better to go into the situation with that assumption. So let's assume, because we didn't cover this and we probably have to go into the next segment, um, a lot of people don't know what a mediator does. I, I know there's a first you have, you can have, we're talking more, a more legalistic way now rather than just interpersonal uh, negotiations. So you have a, a deal you can negotiate. If you don't re, you can go to mediation or arbitration. Maybe you can talk a little bit about those other steps in trying to seek resolution. And this would probably be in some kind of a contractual issue. Well, happy to. Let's, let's just start with a real open-ended that a mediator is a neutral third party that helps people negotiate. Simple definition. We can use that as a beginning point. Okay. 
So other forms of dispute resolution, of course, are arbitration, litigation, and then alternatives to litigation, private judging, which is growing states other internal systems like that but but mediation is the one that i recommend yeah mediation is where the two parties are actually in the same room and they're going back and forth and the mediators there and i think guiding some of the congress i've been in one mediation and arbitration is basically more the depositions and presenting something and then the arbitrator gets an it's a little bit more formal right well uh let's look at it this way the arbitrator decides for you the parties decide themselves. Okay. Well, we're going to go to break and then come back and talk some more about this. We're going to be right back with Fred E. Yant, the author of over 30 books, including Win-Win Negotiation, Turning Conflict into Agreement. Remember, you can listen to this and past shows via podcast by going to our website, www.thementorsradio.com, or to your favorite podcast platform. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org oathbook.org it's a bully but we aren't afraid of a fight it's elusive but our focus never fades it's deadly but we were born to defeat cancer you may not have heard of us but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer we are the leukemia and lymphoma society we are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize 
digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com. And mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is your host, Tom Laurie, and I'm with Fred Yant, who's serving as our guide today on how to bargain and negotiate successfully. Fred is well known for his books on dispute resolution and mediation for his work that he does training mediators for the court system. If you've tuned in late or want to make sure you do not miss future shows, go to our website or your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe there to The Mentors Radio. We were talking about negotiation, mediation, and arbitration, and of course, as it escalates, and of course, then you could end up in court. The costs go up as well, right? Extremely. Extremely. Uh, that's why uh, one of the things always anyone going into negotiation or mediation needs to understand negotiation and mediators refer to as the BATNA. Those are the letters B-A-T-N-A, alternative to a negotiated agreement. And no one should ever negotiate until you understand what your BATNA is. BATNA is what's going to happen if the negotiation fails. And if you have a clear understanding that your BATNA is weak, that means that you're going to have to work better to reach a negotiation. But if you are able to put into place a strong BATNA, you can deal with a higher power person because you've got an alternative. You can make that alternative known. BATNA is a critical concept in negotiation and mediation. So now that you've gotten into some of the style or strategies, uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, some of the things. There, I always I took a negotiation course years ago, and they talked about the Russian strategy. I think you have a different name for it, where you, the person always has to go back to the office or back to Moscow and get an answer. Uh, that's a strategy, isn't it, that some people use, where they never really can answer the question. Yes. Well. Let, let me introduce another concept, Tom, a way to, to, re, to look at it in terms of understanding ways to be creative in reaching outcomes. And the origin of this really goes back to Mary Parker Follett, who actually was born in a Quaker family in the 1860s addressed the London School of Economics, was an advisor to Theodore Roosevelt. Actually, many of her ideas about management have been later popularized by things that you recognize. Mary Parker Follett deserves credit for it. She used one simple example that I've used so many times. Used the example, but they don't give her credit for it. But her example is so simple. Two sisters are arguing over an orange. And how would most people say they would resolve that issue if 
ask them how to resolve it. And of course, most people will say simple, cut it in half. Mary Parker Follett says, ask them why they want it. And one sister says, make me a cake and I need the rind for, for seasoning. And the other says, I need the pulp for juice. Mary Parker Follett's resolution to the conflict, peel an orange, which gets 100% of what they want. So Mary Parker Follett approached a negotiation, which led in later years to what's now called principled negotiation. It began by understanding what people want. Understanding what they want because, remember this, people ask for in negotiation not necessarily what they need to satisfy the need, the problem that led them to that negotiation. So I tell people, think of the orange. Why did the sisters want the orange? That leads to creative problem solving and leads to ways that disputes can be resolved so that everybody wins. I wish more people would give her credit for her work. And you also write about uh, having multiple aspects to a negotiation and not have a binary negotiation. And I guess, I know one of the big things, uh, and I'm not sure we're going to tell everything I'd love to cover, is doing your homework. It's really important to do your homework. But in doing that, talk a little bit about other issues, identifying other issues. So you have trade-offs, I guess, uh, to work your way through a negotiation rather than somebody just black and white, this is what I want. Right. You know, when you when you look at uh, the really best skilled negotiators, and, and I think things, people like Angela Merkel, Mandela, Henry Kissinger, there's several things that they share in common. One important thing they share in common is listening. That they were able to understand what the other person wanted interview someone asked Henry Kissinger you're going into negotiation do you know what the other parties and he said of course going into negotiation without that knowledge would be disastrous so we begin by preparation by research and listening and I like people to understand listening is a really misunderstood term because too many people think of listening as I were in their position, this is what I would want. Well, obviously, think about that. That's wrong because you're not in their position. You've got to listen to them, talk to them, and understand what they want from the position that they're in. How do they see it? And Kissinger was actually very good about this. He actually wrote about important negotiation part of him, for him, was the informal presentation and relationships that he developed with parties before the formal negotiation. Understanding how people see what they want is so critical. And uh, so that also gets to the point, which happens in many negotiations, how do you gain leverage? I guess, I guess it's from listening or because leverage is a big part of negotiating too, isn't it? Yes. Listening, understanding, try to understand what the other person's baton is, but understanding what 
the reason that they are there. What is it the problem that they're trying to fix? Remember that so often what people demand is how they think they can solve the problem. Ultimate way, other ways to solve the problem. Identifying their problem, their objective, and coming up with alternative ways to do it. We're going to have to go to break. We'll continue back with Fred Yant, the author of over 30 books, including Win-Win Negotiation, Turning Conflict into Agreement. Remember, you can listen to this and past shows via podcast by going to our website, thementorsradio.com, or to your favorite podcast platform. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org oathbook.org. It's Karen, executive producer of The Mentors Radio, and we're thrilled to have My Pillow back as a sponsor. All of us here are huge fans of Mike Lindell's products. When I got fed up with the chemical smell of other pillows, I figured my pillows made in the US. I'll give them a try. That was years ago. Now I own six pillows. I use their cotton towels, their 100% Giza cotton bed sheets, and I give them away as Christmas gifts. Every product has exceptional quality and attention to detail. Towels are thick, absorbent. Sheets are soft, smooth, high thread count. Our radio host, Tom, and everyone we know who's tried these products has the same experience. Use our code MENTORS to get a 60-day money-back guarantee and up to 60% discount. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash MENTORS. You must include the code MENTORS. That's MyPillow.com forward slash MENTORS or click the banner on our website. And now... Back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is your host, Tom Loy, and I'm with Fred Yant, who is serving as our guide today on how to bargain and negotiate successfully. Fred is well known for his books on dispute resolution and mediation and for the work he does training mediators for the court system. So what uh, may go some of the bigger questions? What are the things, let's say, pick three things you wish people knew about negotiation that they should know? What are the things that they should know about negotiation? The most important things. You've talked about some of them already in terms of the outcomes and everything else. Have we missed anything? Sure. We can talk about one big thing, and that is too many beginning negotiators talk too much. And it's sort of the assumption that a good negotiator is a good talker. I turn that around and tell people a good negotiator is a good listener. So talking too much doesn't necessarily mean that you're the best thing in accomplishing anything. That's number one. Number two is not being prepared. It's just 
it's amazing that people would go into any negotiation, a new car, a new home, business, without a lot of pre-preparation to understand as much factual background as you can. So not being prepared. And the third is, I'm going to use another example from television, if you'll permit me. Sure. On Stars, Rick Harrison. Rick Harrison has a great quote. Feels not right, walk away. So how about those three things that we should keep in mind? Those are great. And what what about some of these strategies that I hear over time about deal with the small issues first? Uh, you know, how you, you know, the st- overall strategy. I, I've heard people say settle something in the beginning so everyone has some wins and they feel good. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, the big one that has spent much time for people in academic settings to research is the question of who should make the first offer. Yes. So many people that argue one side or the other first offer. And there are some particularly practitioners who would say never, never, never make the first offer. Other researchers who say, no, that's not true. So this is one of the big questions in negotiation. Should you make the first offer? The reason Let's look at why you would make an offer. And the reason for making the offer is what's called anchoring. In other words, that is the point or the anchor point from which negotiation is gonna go up or down. So should you make the first offer? Well, what you have done when you do that is anchor. You have possibly made a mistake by anchoring too high or too low. Uh, I would say that would reflect how much preparation you've done. So I know many professional negotiators and many that, that have written many books will say never, ever make the first offer. Uh, I'm a little bit less likely to say that. I'm more likely to say it depends. It depends on the situation, your preparation, relationship with the other party overall objective. So sometimes making the first offer, I think, works great. So I don't think there's a hard and fast rule, but that is probably the most debated thing in negotiation is who should make the first offer. I've been there. I know. Mm-hmm. I've been there. Um, one of the things that I have done for 20 years is run a ministry for people that have lost their jobs. And uh, we've helped about 6,000 people. One of the things that I find uh, with people that are in transition is now they've uh, got the job, they have to negotiate their pay. This is negotiate their competency. Boy, are people afraid to even step into that one. I mean, they're always maybe, and a lot of it has to do with their lack of confidence in themselves. Right. I I wish I had names in front of me, but... uh... I wish, I'm sorry, I can't think of her right, her name right now, but it was the, the, the person that uh, hired for VP at, uh, uh, you know, Facebook. And she was reluctant to make a request that really reflected what her value would be in the organization. So she talked to other people 
and basically recognized paid in relationship to her value that she could be bringing. Important that she own and demand that value. That's what happened. So it's a little bit of preparation. It's a little bit of self-confidence. Right. A little bit of having a BATNA that if that level of, of uh, conversation is not met, there, there are alternatives where you can meet it. It's a combination of those. I would say don't be afraid of asking for what your value is. Yeah, fear, fear, fear is uh, doesn't lead to freedom. <laughs> fear, yes, you become a hostage to fear. Talk a little bit about the min max approach to things before you go into negotiation or during a negotiation. Well, this this relates to uh, setting positions. Relates particularly to to uh, negotiations which are based in a quantitative environment. Uh, so. Think in terms again of or demanding and asking for versus what is your settlement point? What are you willing to, to you know, that logic, by the way, this is a little off the point, but it, it, it's kind of interesting. That logic is so critical today in what are the growing automated negotiation support systems. You know, these are uh, intel uh, computer based AI systems that help with negotiation and they basically ask you to be really careful in establishing what is it that you're asking for and what is it that you will settle for automated systems that are being used particularly in things like uh, disputes uh, it, it automatically determines what are the settlement points faster than it would take people to get there by themselves talking with each other. So, uh, the, the negotiation support systems are growing in use, particularly in those areas, like in billing and insurance, where the dispute is just really about a dollar value. We're going back, I was uh, this, this um, default in power, I was just thinking as you were talking, about the complex issues that we face today in society. And there are those that have simple solutions that wanna force those solutions on everyone where negotiation would be a better way for people to resolve what the different, I mean, your point about the orange is the best one of all, really understanding the parties that are involved and what their concerns are uh, and try and solve some of these large issues we have, but we have really polarized, haven't we, in terms of do it my way or no way. Exactly. And and what we, I can talk about this later, but what we frequently see in mediation for people who refuse to negotiate courtroom, what happens? They lose. Yep. Well, we're going to come back and talk some more about that after our break. We're with Fred Yant, the author of over 30 books, including Win-Win Negotiation, Turning Conflict into Agreement. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. 
Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. Feelgreat.vip to learn more. It's Karen, executive producer of The Mentors Radio, and we're thrilled to have My Pillow back as a sponsor. All of us here are huge fans of Mike Lindell's products. When I got fed up with the chemical smell of other pillows, I figured my pillows made in the U.S. I'll give them a try. That was years ago. Now I own six pillows. I use their cotton towels, their 100% Giza cotton bed sheets, and I give them away as Christmas gifts. Every product has exceptional quality and attention to detail. Towels are thick, absorbent. Sheets are soft, smooth, high thread count. Our radio host, Tom, and everyone we know who's tried these products has the same experience. Use our code MENTORS to get a 60-day money-back guarantee and up to 60% discount. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash mentors. You must include the code MENTORS. That's MyPillow.com forward slash mentors or click the banner on our website. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially not Profits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC. Today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com. And mention the mentors. And now, back to the mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is your host, Tom Laura. I'm with Fred Yant. He's serving as our guide today on how to bargain and negotiate successfully. So I have a question. Uh, what is the one negotiation, good or bad, that really sticks with you? Good question. Very good question. And uh, I'm at a loss to come up with one that, are you thinking of one that, uh, maybe it's easier to think of bad examples, maybe. And let's think of, well, let's see, how about people that can, that make concessions because they think that the concession is a win? So let's say historically, looking at his Chamberlain negotiation with Hitler, and it was a major concession, and he went back to London and said what? Peace. Yeah. We have peace. And I, I think maybe... First, the, what and to answer your question, what comes to mind is that concession does not necessarily mean that we have peace. So giving in does not necessarily mean we have peace. Other contexts, 
giving me giving in does not necessarily mean we have justice in all of these cases what i'd advocate is let's find a more creative way to reach an outcome i think that's a great example and what um when i think about negotiation bargaining mediation I mean, these are skills that are value of great value in everyday life, aren't they? I mean, I I would imagine with your background, you probably see all sorts of things just on interpersonal uh, react interactions with people. Um, do you coach everybody that you see or do you <laughs> you're observing a lot? <laughs> well, let me say that uh, particularly people that take mediation training, they come back and say, well, the major thing I've learned is how I can apply this in my home and in my organization and in my business. Becoming more sensitive to understanding where people are coming from and helping them reach outcomes that are meaningful for both parties, that's a negotiating tool. People find that so helpful and useful in their personal lives. And if you had the power, what's the one thing you'd like to see changed about uh, negotiation and mediation? I want people to recognize that it's not a weakness to make concessions, to make compromises, excuse me. It's not a weakness to compromise. It's not a weakness to refuse to negotiate. It's basically a strength to come up with creative solutions to conflicts both parties win and it strengthens the relationship. Great. And what do you do in your spare time? What are you doing these days? I, I think you're making it, writing another book, aren't you? Yeah, I'm writing uh, some I, uh, a, a new textbook that I'm working on, on mediation and conflict. So I'm trying to think about how to apply these uh, concepts to college students. And it's been real helpful because I try to come with ways that are meaningful to uh, to people beginning their careers, opposed to those who are in their careers already. So, uh, that's uh, that's a new project with publisher uh, uh, in San Diego, Cognella. And uh, and beyond that, what kind of what is what are the kind of things that you like to read? Oh goodness, well. Uh, my favorite books, actually, I uh, I like historical uh, things like The Crown, things based on uh, on uh, history. I think I'd let's say I, I enjoy reading history. Well, now that the Queen has passed away, yes, and Harry's going to come out with a book this fall that's a tell-all yes. about yes. everything in the monarchy. I think you could hustle yourself over to London. I think they're going to need some negotiating skills, <laughs> what they're going to well, deal with. You, you know, I keep watching this so-called family dispute, and, and, and I, I think about what it really is as opposed to how it's portrayed in the media. Yep. Well, we know there's great distortion. Well, that's it till, till next week. We're out of time. I want to thank you very much for being with us. We've had Fred Yant, the former dean of Cal State University at Palm Springs. He's well known for his body of work on negotiating and conflict res resolution. We're going to post the links to all the books we mentioned in today's show on our website. Thank you very much, Fred, for taking the time to join us. Remember, if you've tuned in late, you can listen to this and past shows by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. When they're there, make it easy on yourself. Subscribe to future shows. Thank you for listening. We will be back next weekend at this time for the next edition of the Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie 
signing off for today. Remember to be all you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.